Hey everybody, it's DG, and on this episode of The Swipe File, I sat down with Joe Chernov. We had a coffee. Joe is one of the best B2B CMOs in the world. He's one of the most influential content marketers on the planet. Always get inspired when I talk to this guy. We talked about everything from micromanaging versus empowerment, why interviewing is such an overlooked skill for marketers, why having no metric is sometimes better than having the wrong one. We talked about career transitions, and we talked about why hiring is the only thing that matters in marketing. I think you're going to love this episode. Here's Joe Chernov on this episode of The Swipe File. You're talking about interviewing people? Yeah. Is that what you want oh, to talk about? No, um, like this kind of interview. Oh, you want to talk about this yeah. kind of interview? Tell me. Yeah. So, yeah. I, have, I have thoughts on this, too. I think interviewing people is a skill. Yeah. And I think it's an overlooked skill. Uh-huh. I don't mean hiring people, but like this sort of okay. interview. And okay. as marketing gets more casual, like yeah. as business marketing yeah. gets more casual, yeah. and it's more about like brand and the yeah. people, right? I think that a lot of good ideas get blown in the last mile because the marketing person says, well, I, you know, I get to interview. Do you ever feel like you go and do interviews with people and you're like, this is awful? I feel like most people, that what they do is they say, they have their five questions like I have my five questions I'm going to ask Joe Turner no matter what he says no matter what he says yeah. right and then what they do is like the second you answer that is then they go next question on the next question which yeah. is like the real stuff which is like why I wanted to do this interview series is because I just want to have a conversation and see what comes out of it and like the real good interviews I think are when it actually is a conversation it's not an interview when it comes back with the people that you're invited to participate, yeah. like, you can sort of go wherever that conversation sure. is sure. going to go. Sure. But if you're sitting down with somebody that's a scientist mm. or an entertainer, yeah. you have such limited yeah. domain knowledge yeah. that you can't just take it where they no. take it. And that's why a professional journalist that does the research mm. and has a background to be able to adapt is why you, and why knows you need that, that talent. That's a good point. And knows the space. Gets they, me from Rolling Stone to interview. Because right? they can know, hey, yeah, that thing that you did in 96, yeah. like that was interesting i thought you meant interviewing people this is a better time yeah i think that's important for going forward as a skill in marketing that's very underrated there's going to be more podcasts there's going to be more video interviews there's going to be more blog interviews like i mean you've been doing this for a bunch of years now like i could probably go and google 55 questions with joe chernov type of interviews out there like, but they're pretty just, much next question next question you can't do that format yeah. let's talk about forms you had a tweet what did your tweet say this was last night do you remember what it said I just say something. You're a prolific tweeter, by the way. Yeah, but I think like we, resonates yeah, but like, like it used to. I don't think anybody even mm, wants to converse anymore. Not anymore. You used to have this tweet pinned to your Twitter profile that was like, the best time to call me is email. Do you know that was a subtweet? <laughs> the funny thing is that was a subtweet. Like Wait, somebody oh. called me and he was like kind of hammering me to try to sell. When's the best time? And, it, and I responded in the email and I said, Dude, the best time to call me is email. <laughs> and then I wrote him again. I said, hey, I'm sorry. I'm going to do this, but I'm going to subtweet you right now. <laughs> so I gave him a heads And I remember up. that was pinned. It had like you know thousands and thousands yeah. of retweets. I love that. Oh, there's the t-shirt design. I just feel like when you tweet, you're thinking about it. I just am like, just say what. Okay. You said, somebody was talking about forms. You said the form is the symptom. The problem is a lead-centric or lead-only KPI for marketing departments. Again, show me how I'm measured, and I'll show you how I behave. So that was Tom Wentworth. He yeah. was saying something that was very pro-drift. So that's why you noticed it, right? <laughs> yeah. No, he tagged me in it. He said, oh, companies spend hundreds of thousands on the CMS and design just to drive someone to the same old tired felt this form. Yeah, that could have been a drift pad. I yeah, wonder he, what a conversation. I knew he liked that one. Yeah. So he said, or conversation only at drift after you get And before I could even chime in, you responded. So 
Yeah, I covered you. Yeah, thank you. Look, my point is, I say show me how I'm measured, I'll show you how to behave a lot. And I think that's a thing that doesn't get talked about enough, which is like, why do you do what you do? Because look at what you're being held accountable for. <laughs> a meaningful percentage of bad performers are likely bad performers because they've they have been no, given the wrong incentives. Or, or they have no clear metric for yeah. the thing that they own. Yeah. And so I'd rather almost give somebody no clear metric than the wrong one. Mm. So we were talking about this before. I look at what I do for marketing. It may vary from company to company, but me at Insight Squared, I do four things. I try to generate demand. Yep. Okay. Yep. I also take care of our customers yep. and try to keep our customers happy, keep them longer, turn them into advocates. Okay. So customer marketing. Yep. I have a brand to take care of. Yep. And part and parcel to brand is a community around that. Right. Okay. Yep. And then the third is. It's sort of like a magician knows what card you're going to pull from the deck. Like, I know where we're going to take the business in the future. Right. So there's message seeding. Yeah. There's Teaching uh, people there's, about future stuff. There's sort of grooming yeah. that makes the uh, market more receptive mm -hmm. to future product introduction. Mm -hmm. So these are the things you try to do. Yeah. But all of my metrics are around demand creation. Or like you can do, you had one, two, three, four. You could be really good at two, three, four. But if you're not good at the first one, you're probably not keeping your job. Like, you're definitely not keeping your job. <laughs> right. You know, okay. so you'll never have a chance to show Ever. the other ones. Yeah. Just really basic here. Yeah. Do I put 25% budget, 25% budget, 25, 25? Yeah. No. no. You starve these things yeah. at the expense of this. Yep. And is this the only thing that matters? Yeah. No. Does it even matter disproportionately to the others? You could argue no. Mm -hmm. Especially in a venture-backed business where the revenue is not the primary need when mm -hmm. you have funding. Like, mm -hmm. look at Drip. Mm -hmm. You guys are doing an awesome job on the branding, mm -hmm. and that's going to pay off later, mm -hmm. right? That's where you're going to get the acceleration. Right. That's an important point. It's not like you and I started a company and it's self-funded and if we don't hit our revenue goal this month, we, we are not going to make payroll. Yeah. Well, of course, we don't want to miss that, but it's still like the runway is years, not a week, right? You know, you yeah. look, we talked about uh, HubSpot and Blog. Yeah. That's where those guys had unbelievable foresight, yep. right? Mike, Darmesh, yep. and Brian. Yep. If they took that blog yep. and on day one or on day 90, tried to use that blog as a way to spam people, their subscriber list, and tried to take their blog subscribers and sell them stuff overnight, right. they would have strip-mined that asset. Mm -hmm. They played it cool, mm -hmm. right? They let it grow for years, mm -hmm. and then they had an asset, and they had something that was moat. It was mm -hmm. an unfair advantage, and they knew enough to not strip-mine it. When we started the sales blog, I remember talking to Mike about what metrics we needed to hit yeah. before we thought about commercializing the blog. Like turning it into lead gen and having... But for a while, just yeah. build an audience. Yeah. Nobody knows that better than Mike. Yeah. And so what what, were, what was your goal? Like when you launched a sales blog, was it traffic? At first, it was traffic. No lead. Is it, who cares about we, lead? We, we didn't put, you know, show me how measure, show me how behave. If we put a lead gen KPI yeah. on it, yeah. what are we going to do? We're going to jam forms into it. Yep. We wanted to build an audience that we could monetize later. Yep. What you're measured on today, it's not leads. It's something about, you came up with your own kind of definition for it. A lead is a unit of demand, yeah. right? But really, we're in the business of generating demand. Mm -hmm. It just can come in different units for different companies. Mm -hmm. Our unit demand... One could be a, a demo request versus a free tool, try a free tool versus a goes to an event, goes to a webinar. They'll have different conversion Those are all and, different types, yeah. yeah. So what we have is instead of leads, we have an alert. Yep. And an alert is 
a type of engagement that we either create as marketing or detect as marketing. Mm. And it happens on an owned account. Mm -hmm. So our sales team sells in a named account strategy. Mm -hmm. And they have a, a lot of named accounts. Mm -hmm. This isn't like Fortune 50. Mm -hmm. You know, this is the Fortune 50,000. Yep. Those accounts are assigned. They're yep. in territory and they're named. Yep. Marketing gets credit yep. when we generate an alert, a type yep. of engagement on one of those owned accounts. Yep. There are three types of alerts. And the types are designated by... Did you um, come up with this? This is a new thing that you guys yeah, okay. came up with. Okay. The types are stratified by historical conversion rates. So we have same-day alerts. The name of the alert type is the SLA. Same-day alert means, as a sales rep, if this happens, same day. you can touch them the same and day. And what's an example of it? Is that like a demo request or something? Demo request, okay. same-day alert. Okay. At the low end, same-day alerts have a 6% alert to conversion rate, alert yep. to operate. Yep. At the high end, like 18%. Yep. So in that band yep. is a same-day alert, and they've yep. got 24 hours to follow up. Yep. Actually, close a business, 24 hours of happens after 4 p.m. Yep. The next one down is next-day alerts. Mm -hmm. These are 3% to 6% mm -hmm. conversion rate. So you might get it that day, and as a rep, this is, hey, tomorrow, Oh, here's what you're going to do. And yep. you can follow up that day, yeah. but you're That's not going to get roughed up in yep. the, if you do it the next day. Yep. And then the third type is we call a check alert. And that might be we send a piece of direct mail. Yeah. It'd be kind of weird to call somebody and say, hey, you get that coffee right. cup? Um, Just checking in. Check are you, in are, you measuring, are you tracking intent from other sources outside of your website too? You said there's two types of marketing alerts. One of them is somebody did something or you detected that something else Yeah, so that's a good question. When you think of lead gen, mm. you think marketing only gets credit if it produced a lead. If somebody filled out that form, if yeah. you hoodwinked somebody yeah. into giving you their personal information, they didn't uh -huh. say Mickey Mouse at Disneyland.com, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. My job is to try to help sales close deals faster. Yep. We use data providers that give us signal as to if one of those 50,000 accounts is doing something that our sales team should be interested in. Yep. For example, yep. if you are looking at our competitors on G2 Crowd, yep. you're looking at competitor Insight Squared on G2 Crowd, that information gets fed into our CRM, triggers an alert, that's yep. a next day alert, has yep. a high conversion rate, yep. and they have to follow up within essentially by the close business the next day. Yep. That was a product that G2 Crowd productized yeah. that 100% came from our request based on our alerting huh. system. That came from you? Yeah. We use it. It's amazing. Yeah. So I called uh -huh. them and they said they were productizing, like, we'll send you a list of people that are looking at your listing. Yeah. My response is, I don't really care if they're looking at my listing. I mean, I do, but right. they're probably on my website too. Right. They've alerted another way. You know what I want to know? Right. Are they looking at Brand X's listing? Right. That would be interesting for right. me. And they said, would you pay for it? And I said, starting tomorrow. Sure. It's the only thing so, I'll pay for. So is that a demand gen? Your demand gen person owns that as a channel? Our ops person owns that because uh, our ops person owns the tech stack yeah. and it's an API partnership. And so she yep. is responsible for the API. We can talk about a minute. I have one more question this then I want to go the other. So then you have you have these buckets by conversion rate. Yeah. So you have your next day alert is three to six percent conversion rate. Could that be multiple sources as long as they convert between three and six percent? They get in that bucket. Yeah. Okay. So it could be a webinar. It could be an event. The conversion rate is what you use to say 
you know, whatever, six to 16, three to six, and then zero. To create the tranches. Yeah, yeah. We just rolled this out. I like this that. is like V2. Not like it a lot. We just rolled this out. What we're going to do next yeah. is we've got to figure out now is yeah. are there too many in one bucket? Yeah. And six is not a magic number here. Right. It's just we looked at a histogram and it looked right. like Cause, that. Because it, be, it could be a 1% conversion rate, but a rep is going to have to touch all of those, yeah. which is not going to work. The trick uh, here, the secret to all of this is the check alert. The last tier is a check uh-huh. alert. There's no SLA. Yeah. You don't have to follow up on this. Yeah. But we strongly encourage you but to check the record I bet you if you look at your best reps, if you look at your best reps, the percentage of them that are doing the check stuff is probably... Or if you're on plan and you're not using your check alerts, are you really in it? Are you really hustling? Are you really trying to close deal? Like the check alerts is a form of marketing entrapment. If you're not <clears> checking them... You mean if you're on problem. plan, like you could be blowing the number if, out. If you were if on a plan, oh, on if you were on a plan, right? Yeah, yeah, if you're on a performance yeah, plan, yeah, yeah. it's a great yeah. tool for management to yeah. say like, look, they're on a performance plan, but they're yeah. rummaging around these check yeah. alerts. They're doing the right thing. Uh-huh. That person is going to keep their job. I love this. If they're on a performance plan and they're complaining about pipe and yeah. marketing's not giving support and they're not rummaging around this tranche, then are they in the blame game right. or are they really trying to close right. deals? It's an easy game if you only work the leads that close at 16%. Like, that's what you all want to do. Exactly. This is exactly why I want to do this because this is the deep stuff. All right, one more thing, then you got to go. You transitioned your career as a marketing leader from like content guy to now your thing is ABM. And I, don't, I think of you as your CMO. ABM is your channel now. But like, what was the transition from being this content leader to going to a company and having to basically throw out the playbook that got you to where you're at? I was conflicted. Was that like a holy shit moment? Or did you know if I want to keep growing, this is what I got to do? I just want to solve a problem for the business. Yeah. And that content model was the wrong model for Insight Squared. Yeah. Before I knew you, I knew you because I was reading your stuff, I was following what you were doing, speaking, whatever. I think content was the channel at the time, like 2008 to 2012-ish was like a sweet spot, which is like you could grow a massive funnel on content. Today, everybody has a blog, everybody has a podcast, everybody has video, there's so much noise and content. Nobody's at home being like, you know what I wish I had? I wish I had more content from brands. So it's, I think there are two dimensions to this and you've nailed one of them. Like with each new blog that gets spun up, it becomes incrementally more difficult for your signal to be heard. Yep. And especially if you're marketing to sales and marketing yeah. where those industries have a lot of noise. In there. So much. The second mm-hmm. is the nature of the business itself. The content model makes most sense when you have an enormous addressable market because you don't have that many false negatives. If you can sell to anybody, then anybody who comes to your blog is a potential prospect. If you're my father-in-law who sells software in nuclear power plants, is a very (laughs) constrained market, Uh right? Most of the readers of his blog, if we were to have one, would be false positives because it's such a specialized industry. Yep. The difficulty is most companies are in the middle. Insight Squared is in the middle. Say our addressable market is 50,000 accounts. Yes. A blog is helpful yeah. for brand. Yep. A blog is helpful for building community, mm-hmm. but it cannot be long-term your primary lead source mm-hmm. in the way that it is if you're a HubSpot that mm-hmm. has an enormous addressable market. Mm-hmm. HubSpot doesn't care if you're Mack Trucks or a guy named Mack with a truck. Right? They'll sell <laughs> right. to both of you. And you and the product can work for both people. And yeah. We care very yeah. deeply yeah. if you, you're Mack Trucks You need to Mac find the 50,000 companies with a sales ops person yep. in the U.S. Or that has a board that expects fast growth yep. that looks for very yep. specific yep. types of reporting, yep. very specific yep. So that makes it obvious. Like, that's where you're going to start, right? It's not that you're not doing, you're not 
creating content? You still care about your brand. Like, how do you figure out where, how to invest in content? The theme, our sort of internal ethos, is content that serves multiple masters. So I need to create a piece of content. Like in the content marketing world, they would talk about atomize your content, and it would be like on a blog, and then simplified for Twitter, yeah. and then it can be a brand's yeah. Facebook post, and mm-hmm. then Medium came along and summarized it on Medium. Yeah. It's the same idea, yeah. but it's not atomizing it so much as saying, I need content, mm. that there is a version of it for the blog, yep. but then there is a more product relevant version of it for the sales team, yep. and then a heavily like how-to version of it for the customer team. Yep. So it's not about atomizing yep. it in the way that adapting it for different channels, yep. Yep. but think about marketing as an overlay across the entire customer journey. That's essentially what those four pieces were that I, I talked about. Yeah. And if it's an overlay on top of the entire customer journey and I have limited resources, yeah. I need a piece of content to be adaptable to multiple stages. What's one thing that's still driving you nuts in marketing? <sighs> the form stuff and yeah. that, that top of funnel has sucked up all the air in the room. It makes me crazy. I'll tell you a really good piece of advice I got. Yeah, give me some and advice. I think about this a lot. Especially take Drift, you guys are growing really quick. Yeah. I remember I said to my former CEO um, when I was at Eloqua, for a while I reported to him. And I, I was grousing about my workload or something. And he asked about how I was performing in hiring. I had a number of open recs and he was asking me how close I was to filling them. Joe, I can't get to those. I have all these other things to do. And he said, you're upside down on this. Mm. The only thing that matters is hiring the right people. Mm. You hire the right people and everything else falls into place. And I was like, oh, he's got a really good point. I love it. I love it. That on top of what you said to me when you were outside, which is the micromanaging piece, like those are the two things to unlock, I feel like, right? The right people and then letting them do what they were hired to do. And then your job is almost like the GM that has to move around the right pieces. You're not batting. You're not in the lineup, right? If you don't get the people, you have to. You have to be. Yeah. But then that's a problem. Because yeah. then if you're, when you're in the lineup, you become a bottleneck. You don't have the bandwidth to actually do it. Let's say you succeed at extracting yourself from the lineup. Sure. Now, this is the time where we do sports metaphors okay, that's and fine. everybody rolls that's their fine. eyes. That's right? fine. You become the GM. Yep. And you're hovering above it. And you're just like moving around players, yep. right? Yep. It's really hard then to figure out if you're doing a good job or not. Mm. Because you've grown up judging yourself by batting average, on base percentage, home runs, Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden, none of those apply to you. Mm -hmm. That's one of the areas that new managers and new GMs, if you will, struggle, because all of a sudden, you have different metrics, and the old metrics are more familiar, so you start to seep back into the players on the field. Okay, one thing before we go. You're a busy exec at a company. Do you believe in this work-life balance? Is it the Jeff Bezos circle? How do you battle it? You ready for... I'm ready. I want to know. This is the one I go by. And I'm not saying it's right. One night, I was driving late at night, and I heard this radio show on where it was Ask a Veterinarian. And this woman called, and she said, I have two bulldogs. (laughs) This is true. I believe it. she's like, I can't stop them from fighting. Yeah. And I'm afraid they're going to hurt each other. And she was really upset. Yeah. And the vet said, good news, bad news. Good news is I got an answer. Bad news is you ain't going to like it. Yeah. And so the answer was... Let them fight. Yeah. One of them's going to win. Yep. They generally won't hurt each other. Yeah. And then it gets worse. Yeah. The one that wins eats first. Yeah. The one that wins gets let out the door first. Yeah. You reinforce that hierarchy. They are comfortable with the hierarchy. Yeah. Um, I think that family and work, unless you let one of them win, mm. will always tear each other apart. Mm. And you've got to pick the one that wins and then feed that one first. Mm-hmm. Uh, I reach a juncture in my career 
when I verbalize like family comes first yeah. and I try to feed it first I try to spend my time there first and I don't feel guilty about it anymore. yeah I like that all right let's uh that's a perfect place to wrap you gotta go it's been great I appreciate it is this what you want yeah it was exactly what I wanted okay. exactly what I wanted so thank you Thanks for listening to this episode of The Swipe File. If you like the podcast, make sure to subscribe, leave a review, text your friends, tell your mother, do whatever you want to do. It'd be awesome if you helped spread the word about the show. But I have a little special for you because you're listening to my podcast. If you go to drift.ly, drift.ly slash Steve, you will see a six-minute video that I made that is about Steve Jobs' storytelling secrets, and you can get it all for free. Plus, if you sign up there, you will unlock this crazy new thing that we're building behind the scenes called Drift Insider, where we're going to give you some of our best content exclusively. So go and check it out. The way, the secret way to get on this list right now is to go to drift.ly slash Steve. You have to watch the first video and you'll be able to get the rest when they all come out. Check it out. If not, check it out soon and I'll see you in the next episode.